Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Kevin Sorbo. You may know me as Captain Dylan Hunt from Andromeda, or you may know me as Hercules, or heck, you may know me from a number of things I've done because I'm dealing with my ego here. Anyway, you know what you're doing? You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, and you better not go anywhere or Hercules will come and kick your ass. Live long and prosper. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 84, and we are here tonight to bring you another jam-packed and full podcast. Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Scott. How are you doing? I guess we should probably introduce ourselves, and some people may be encountering us for the first time. My name is Scott Herzog, and I'm one of your hosts at the Diner. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Yep, and we are here serving up all sorts of sci-fi goodness. And, uh, wow, tons of news came out this week. We have a jam-packed show. A lot of stuff with our favorite shows and favorite uh, uh, sci-fi superhero genres. Uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, so we're excited to bring you this show tonight. It's it's going to be awesome. Uh, a lot of good interaction uh, in our in, in on Facebook and a lot of emails and listener voicemails. And we'll be putting all that, of course, in our listener feedback episode, which we'll probably drop before this episode here. But but anyway, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. How are things going in the in your world, Miles? Uh, pretty good. Um, I'm uh, as I mentioned on, on Facebook. There's a uh, Jeremiah uh, marathon on the Sci-Fi Channel. I record a bunch of episodes. I've watched a couple of those. Uh, that's just a really good show. Um, I'm glad at least these Sci-Fi channels airing uh, those every now and then. Is that the Doomsday Scenario one? You know, yes, it's yeah. about the you know yeah. Yeah. where all the adults. Are, get killed off and and it's like 15 years later after what, what the children have done with the world um oh oh so, that's the one with luke luke um what's his face perry yeah luke perry and malcolm jamal warner um, right right so yeah that's good I, I watched you know i got into that i watched like the first five episodes of that sucker and uh, i didn't i never finished it <laughs> no, well, one of the things well, that i watched in good intentions the same legend of the seeker too sorry kevin batchelder i uh I watched the first three episodes, absolutely loved it, just haven't made time to watch it. And now it's no longer streaming in Netflix either. Bastards. Oh, that's too bad. The bastards. But anyways. All right. Uh, well, let's get into our menu tonight. Actually, before we get to the menu, there are a couple things I wanted just to present you. And I posed this question on Facebook, and some of you have already begun to reply to it. But 
we are putting out there, Christmas is right around the corner, and we have a show lined up. Miles, I don't even know if I told you this, but I wrestled in to doing a Christmas show this year. Um, Dayton Ward, Kevin Dilmore, and John Frage are all going to be joining us on the 7th of December, I believe it is, to talk about what's on their sci-fi Christmas list. And this is a chance for you to share as well what's on your sci-fi Christmas list, and that is our listener question of the week. What is on your sci-fi Christmas list? Did I tell you that, Miles? You told me you were going to work, you were work on getting them on, and so um, that's good. I, I, that should be a, that was a fun show we did last year, and uh, uh, it'll, it'll be more fun this year. Oh yeah, you know, uh, Dilmore was saying he doesn't have to pimp for Frazier anymore. So, <laughs> so, so uh, um, and Frazier responded back that he enjoys the money too much. But right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I just want to put that out there. If you want to let us know, you can call in your answers at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. You can also email those in at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. And you can also just attach an audio file if you're not from the States and want to get your voice heard in the sci-fi diner podcast. What's on your sci-fi Christmas list? Um, oh, two other things that didn't actually make the menu tonight. Um, the podcast awards, HTTP podcastawards.com, um, is giving you a chance to vote for us in two categories. So if you're going to go there and vote, vote for us if you like the diner, vote for us at the People's Choice for the People's Choice Award and in the entertainment categories. So Miles, make sure you go and vote. Okay. So I voted earlier, but, but vote in those two categories and well, hey, we'll see what we can do. And you know, uh, you know, enough people voting, hey, who knows what can happen. Mm-hmm. One last thing, if you have not been to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast website in a while, uh, recently this weekend actually I updated it and it's a bit easier to read, a bit easier to navigate, and I kind of like it. Yeah, it, I think you did a fine job. It looks good. Hey, can you repeat that, Miles? You are cracking something furious tonight. I don't know if you, if you can pull away from the mic maybe a little bit. Sure. Uh, I just want to say uh, I, I saw what you did on the site. It looks like looks good. You did a fine job. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought it was a lot easier to read, and but and that's the way people seem to feel about it. All right. Well, on the menu tonight, Miles, uh, we have an interview. Who is our interview tonight? Mr. Uh, Hercules, uh, Captain uh, Dylan Hunt himself, uh, Kevin Sorbo. We had a really nice conversation with him at the convention, and. Um, yeah, it should be. I think you, I think you, the listeners, will enjoy it. Um, yeah, this was a, this was an awesome interview, mm-hmm. and you get to hear him kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, share his voice a little bit. So it's very well, cool. He, yeah, he, he kind of gets on his soapbox a little bit, but yeah, uh, that's nothing okay. wrong. Nothing wrong. It's, come on, Hercules can get on a soapbox, right? Well, we are going to reveal to you the winner of our first uh, one hundred dollar Think Geek gift certificate and this uh this person answered the uh, trivia question correctly and we'll be telling you that in a little bit we're going to give you a new superman trivia and give you a chance to win some sweet swag our um, listener question we of course gave to you talked about our podcast awards we're going to talk about whether this is fringe's last season god i hope not caprica dvds are coming thanks to a friend that i'll mention a little bit later on because i don't remember his name right now the event relaunches in january no we still have two more episodes of the event to my understanding but it does relaunch in actually february that's wrong smallville surprises supernatural sputters hawk is coming back to tv and Batman is too. Miles, did you see that story? I did. That intrigues me. Yeah, yep. The Cape has a new trailer. It it looks freaking awesome. I can't wait till this show. 
a bit of blood, a, a little bit more in blood and chrome and human car- target begins as well. Actually, tomorrow night, Pirates of the Caribbean four teases us. Wolverine gets titled and maybe rebooted. Harrison Ford thinks Han Solo should have died. Some people think Harrison Ford should have died for that matter when the way people responded on Facebook to that. And, <laughs> and the Green Lantern clip, we have a glean, a, a glean, a Green Lantern clip there. And we're going to talk about the 10 sci-fi movies that you should watch if you're interested in going green. Miles is going to bring us his twist. And we have a sci-fi five and five somewhere around there. And that is our show tonight. So that's a lot of crap to get through. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't you go ahead and let's get into this past two weeks trivia that we've been having. Well, last time we asked, um, and this was on just as soon as we heard that, uh, that Caprica is not going to be renewed. Um, so we asked last time um, in Caprica, Daniel Greystone uh, says the term for Cylon is an acronym for what? And the answer was, Miles, uh, cybernetic life form node. That's correct. And we had a prize. And boy, this was a sweet prize, Miles. Oh, yeah, it was. And what was it? They are going to win a $100 gift card for Think Geek. Yeah. Perfect for the holidays. Right. And the winner of this was Margaret K. And we will, uh, I think I have your email address here. And if not, I will see if I can find it somewhere. And we'll get that gift certificate to you. But now we have a new, a new trivia. And so, Miles, let's talk about this new trivia. Well, a little bit of... Um yeah, it's kind of Superman trivia. Um, uh, this th- th- this is the question this week, um, and it's a, I need two answers for this question. Um, what does actor Michael Ironside and Superman have in common? Ooh, and so this is there's two answers here. So you have to give, I guess, the commonality, right? Yes. Right, right, right. Very cool. And uh, what do they win, Miles, if they answer this correct? Uh, they are going to win a autographed picture of Kevin Sorbo. Ooh, you can't beat that. Kevin Sorbo, I believe, as he appears in Enterprise, right? Um, I, he hasn't made any appearances. Oh, I'm sorry. Film. I'm sorry. A tra- Andromeda. Yeah, Andromeda. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're, you're almost right. Andromeda was originally birthed by uh, Gene Roddenberry. I know. I know. I just got the two mixed up. I just lost yeah. tons of geek cred. Um, you did, man. Yeah, I know. By the way, when you answer this trivia question, you must, you must include in your email the code word only available on this podcast, the code word turkey. All right. And the reason we did that is we got uh, some sweepstakes company picked us up and people began to answer the question who weren't really listening to the show or really cared about what we were doing. They just wanted that $100 gift certificate to Think Geek. So we want to get some people listening to the show. And so we're going to provide it here. So if you're listening to this, make sure you include in your email or your response the code word turkey. So does it make sense in honor of Thanksgiving? Perfect. Makes perfect. perfect sense. Yep. All right. Well, let's go into our first podcast promo for tonight. And we mentioned Fringe in our show notes as far as uh, being on the menu. And on the menu is Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan, an awesome podcast talking about everything Fringe. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the Fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson. 
And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter. And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe, also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your Fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206-984-1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We have on our docket tonight, TV news and movie news, and this week of Star Trek. No DVD news, no other news tonight. But let's go ahead and jump into our TV news, and uh, Miles, I think I gave you this first story. Yeah, I found this the other day. Um, I, I found it uh, both, you know, kind, kind of cool, but also a little disturbing. Uh, it's about Fringe, uh, why we love Fringe, and uh, why this could be the last season. And I remarked, say it ain't so. Um, you got to love a television show that throws cautious to win and takes enormous risk. Fox's friend, Fringe did just that this season when it split apart its storytelling by, stint, by stranding its uh, main character in an alternate universe and didn't look back. Suddenly, in every episode, we have two of everything, well, almost everything, with two compelling universes vying for attention. As uh, Anna Torv's Olivia found herself trapped over there and then brainwashed, while uh, Fall Olivia, or Bolivia, or not Olivia, worked against the over here fringe gang and made time with uh, Peter, played by Joshua Jackson. We love imagining that in the alternate universe there's a show called Fringe, or there was a, for a couple years a show called Fringe. That was about this team of uh, Lincoln, Charlie, and uh, Bolivia, said executive producer Joel Wyman. And exploring that other aspect of her life has been great for us. Again, the stories we tell, choices, and a life not lived. It's really great to see this other Olivia's life because it tells us so much about ours, about the life our Olivia is living, and, and then all the doppelgangers play are based on choices that have been made or different life experiences. But for Alt-Astrid, Alt-Astrid is, for instance, where she's differently gene- different genetically. Everybody else is identical genetically. They're just different based on uh, nurture. We're world-building at a point where we can explore different pockets of the world and find great satisfaction, added executive producer Jeff uh, Pinkner. The excitement the, the producers express shows through the, the series takes turns uh, visiting one storyline and then others, dragging us into each universe with, with uh, complete commitment. Fringe hasn't just become one of the best sci-fi television shows in the year. It's one of the best television shows this season, period. And yet fewer and fewer people are watching. What's the lowest rated Fox series this fall? That'd be the so soon to be canceled the goodbye guy the good guys on Fridays. However, Fringe isn't doing much better. Last week in, in ratings low, the show didn't even manage five million viewers and had a uh, one point uh eight slash five adults eighteen to forty nine. The important numbers to advertisers, by the way, is that 1.8 and those uh, 18 to 49 viewers. If there's any more erosion fringes viewership, Fox will be forced to cancel, and rightfully so, one of the best series on television. Fox is a business, and it's already been forced this season to cancel Lone Star, which was a critical success and ratings bust. We're hoping that if uh, things get worse, uh, the network will give uh, Fringe one last chance on Fridays or Mondays which either will once and for all kill it or perhaps give the remaining series one final shot at finding the audience and keeping it deserves. Uh, what do you think Fox should do or, or shouldn't do when it comes to uh, canceling Fringe? 
do you even care? Well, let me tell you this. Uh, the guy that wrote this article is dead on. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the best written shows in television. I don't think that you can get – I think this season by far Fringe remains my favorite show. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if I were Fox as a business and I would have a show doing as poorly as Fringe is as far as viewership goes, that would be a really tough decision. You just can't keep a show on the air just because it's a good show. You have to make money. Right, absolutely. Well, I wonder if if moving it to Thursday nights was necessarily the best idea. Thursday night is a huge that's a huge night of television. That's the that's the hot spot, you know, where, where people are trying to compete for viewers and um and and having it you know preempted by the World Series didn't help it either this this past uh a couple weeks ago, whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I agree. And maybe, maybe it is putting it on another night. I mean, Monday night, put it on a, uh, put it on a Friday night. I don't know. But here, here's another thing. I wonder. I mean, are, are they taking into consideration the DVR numbers? Um, that there's no mention of that in this article. I was listening to uh, the guys from the Sci-Fi Channel. I follow their Twitter, and they were talking about that the only they do consider DVR numbers, but they only consider DVR numbers within the first 24 hours. I wanted to say. So, I mean, that limits, you know, if I don't get to watch the event till a week afterwards, you know, you know, so much for me being included in the ratings. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they, they, they can kind of track whether you've actually, when you've watched the show after you recorded it. Is that what you're saying? Well, they can, but, but they normally don't count the DVR ratings after 24 hours. I think I thought, at, at least, at least sci-fi as I thought sci-fi was saying that. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, sometimes I, I, you know, I can't, you know, I may not get a chance to watch Fringe till Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's just uh, they may want to maybe give it a couple more days after it's recorded. I think there's a lot of people, you know, in a similar situation. They maybe can't watch it, you know, the night it airs. But See, this is, a, this, this, is a, days this is a whole case of the network falling behind the way we as consumers now consume television. That's all it is. Right. And, and, and maybe, maybe the Hulu – people watch on Hulu also. Yeah, I mean Fringe is kind of caught in the crossfire. Yeah. You know, there's just nothing you can do about it. Well, in, we got some Caprica news this week. This came care of Cliff G. Thanks, Cliff, for sending this in. He said, hey, guys, I was looking up Caprica on Wikipedia, and it said that the remaining unseen Caprica episodes were going to be released on DVD in December. Hopefully, it's a complete series and a box set. Here's the excerpt from Wikipedia. Um, on October 27th, 2010, Sci-Fi canceled the show, citing low ratings, and pulled the remaining five episodes of the series from this broadcast schedule. The remaining episodes will be released on December in, on DVD in December. 2010 and will air during the first quarter of 2011. However, they will continue to air as previously scheduled on space in Canada. Okay, so, right, Wikipedia, sometimes you can trust it, sometimes you can't, but he then wrote in, he then checked Amazon, and here's what Amazon said. I said, I checked with Amazon, and they have the sale date for Caprica Season 1.5 on as 12-21-10. So it looks like we'll be able to to get the rest of the season by Christmas, and it will be on my Christmas list. By the way, keep up the great work. I can't wait to see what's on the menu every week. So thanks for that. A little bit of listener feedback there, but I thought this was interesting because I hadn't heard anything about the DVD release. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I, want, I guess that answers a question I had is are they going to try to – are they just going to air the episodes as they are? Are they going to try to wrap the season up somehow? Um, but I guess they're just going to air them as they've already been filmed. 
Yeah, I don't, I guess they aren't, I don't, yeah. So I know that there's still, like tonight another one airs in space, but here we are, the good old USA. Not able to do anything about it. But I am really glad to do it. It's, I'm going to have to put that on my um, Netflix so I can actually watch his last five episodes. Yeah. Because I, I missed it. I'm missing it. Mm-hmm. I'm missing it. I'll go ahead. Uh, give us this news in the event. Well, this this makes me happy. Uh, the event will relaunch in January. Uh, NBC recently gave a full season pickup of its freshman drama at the event, and now the network is looking to bring in more viewers. Ratings haven't been spectacular for the new show, and NBC wants to give the show a chance to build a new audience. Uh, gee, that's an interesting concept. In order to do so, uh, they'll lo- relaunch the show in January. The series will wrap up its first 13 episodes in December, and then look to relaunch things in, in January. Part of that will be a one-hour recap to bring viewers up to speed. Then the second half of the season will start. Uh, actor uh, Bill um, uh, Smith Groshevich. Yeah, it looks like right. Uh, um, if, I, if I butcher, I'm probably butchering the last name. Uh, tells. Uh, EW will finish up with the first 13 and there will be a break and then we'll come back with a one hour compilation clip show the first 13, 13 ends so that everybody can catch up with the story says uh, Smitrovich who plays uh, Vice President uh, Raymond Jarvis I hope that will uh, spark an increase in the audience ratings are one of the variables that we don't have control over said uh, Blair Underwood who plays uh, President Elias Martinez as a, at a recent uh, SAG panel on the show there is the uh, crossfire competition for Dancing with the Stars uh, football and number one comedy two and a half men then there's this type of genre show like uh, 24 and, and lost where viewership always picks up in the second season because people would go back and watch uh, during the summer get, or get the dvd uh that builds up an audience and this uh, show was sold in, in 200 international markets before it premiered here so there is an incentive to keep the show going uh, so we're in a good place yeah and actually i saw a date on it february 22nd is actually when it's coming back and i think in the most recent date that i saw for it but then Less. Uh, so we'll have a small break here, but then we're going to get more of it, and that's just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did not catch this week's. What was the event on? I thought it was, but I this past Monday, I don't think there. Maybe it um, did. You said it didn't DVR for you, right? Right. Did I did not. So, um, I mean, I'll check if if there one did air. But last week's was was quite good. Oh man, and the the ending of that one. Oh, that was eerie. Yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the creepy little girl. Smallville soars high. Supernatural is sputtering. And um, this is interesting. I mean, Superman has, you know, has had a uh, kind of a washy past couple seasons. But now we have the best ratings in a long, long time. Terry Hatcher still has her magical touch when it comes to Clark Kent and the Superman franchise. The former Lawson Clint Clark and current Desperate Housewives star letter guest stint on Friday leads Smallville to its best audience since February and definitely its highest numbers of the season. Smallville earned a 1.8 rating and th- uh, out of three share according to the fast natural overnight ratings from Nielsen. The audience was up more than 12% from the previous week and beat its season average by the same percentage. The last time Smallville came close to the numbers when it was on February 5th when the second part of the two-hour special earned 1.9. Now, by the way, that special was the Justice Society special, I believe. Um, the show wouldn't top a 1.6 household rating the rest of the season. However, that success didn't spill over into Smallville's lead-out program, the CW's Friday Night Supernatural, which last season was outpacing Smallville as a Thursday lead-out um, to Vampire, Vampire Diaries actually went the other direction for Smallville hearing, hitting a series low. The show starring Jensen Ackles and Jared Paladette Paldecki, Paldecki, 
but I'm pronouncing it wrong, earned uh, just 1.3, that's 13% below its average this season, but has been part of the overall downfall trend for the series, which has not hit 1.5 household rating since October 15th. On average, Supernatural is losing 6% from its Smallville lead in audience, but this past week, it actually lost nearly 28% of the audience. That puts Supernatural in the middle of the pack at CW in terms of ratings, tied with 90210. It doesn't necessarily put the show in the bubble, but if there's not a ratings rebound soon, especially compared to a show that is ending its run as lead-in, there could be trouble for the Winchester brothers and won't have anything to do with demons. Well, that depends on how you view network executives. Ha, 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 ha. So anyways, they are not – Supernatural not doing real well, huh? No. I, I, this, is not, this, this is not the first time I heard this either. No, no. Um, it actually surprises me. Like I'm looking at this list of genre shows because we have a list for November 7th, so last week's list. New Ordinary Family is coming out on top. You see that, Miles? I do. That's you and know, the, and, and then the, and then the event um, and then Fringe. I can't believe and Fringe actually bumped up from that last news story that we read. They're actually like at a three now this past week. Right. But wow, wow, wow. I don't know. I, I, I thought Fringe, Fringe should definitely be number one. Fringe should be number one. Yeah, I, I think Fringe is probably the best written TV show on the air right now. Not just sci-fi shows, but just, just shows in general. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope things look better for Fringe. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, let's talk about some superhero news here. Del Toro and Battlestar producer reimagined the Hulk for TV. Ooh, I'm excited um, about this. And... Uh, um, this was provided by uh, uh, Odig Dig uh, to tweet as part of Marvel's uh, big push onto the small screen. Uh, Hellboy director and Battlestar producer are teaming up to bring the not so jolly green giant to ABC in the fall of 2012. The new Hulk series will be likely to be an origin story featuring an energized 20 something Bruce Banner. And while the various uh, movie Hulks were entirely CGI beasts, the series will use a mixture of prosthetics, puppetry, and CGI to realize uh, Banner's alter ego, the design of which will be overseen by Del Toro. Uh, the two men will develop the pilot's episode story together with uh, Ike doing the scripting and Del Toro directing if he's free from his other 94 commitments. I've always been <laughs> attracted uh, by the combination of comic book heroics and monsters, uh, Jack Kirby's uh, Demon or Commandi uh, or DC's Deadman or Marvel's uh, Doctor Strange, um, and Morbius, Metamorpho, uh, Mike Mignola's uh, Hellboy, etc., said Del Toro, who tried to try to get the Hulk up and running as a feature almost a decade ago, but, but, but focused on Blade 2 instead. The Hulk would most likely premiere in the fall of 2012 on the heels of Joss Whedon's The Avengers. If there's anything in geekdom who knows the inner workings of the misunderstood monster, it's Del Toro. That's great, because he did Hellboy too, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited about this, I guess. I'll check it out when it comes out. I've always enjoyed the Hulk. and uh, I mean, I remember watching the original Hulk back in the 70s and 80s, you know, with uh, uh, Bill Bixby and, and um, Lou Ferrigno. Um, I think it should be – I'm not, I'm not sure I like the idea of a CGI Hulk. I think I like, like the idea of a get a big buff guy like Lou Ferrigno. There, there's plenty of guys like out there that could uh, probably pull it off. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm more excited about the Hawk or about this next story here. Batman is talking about heading back to the small screen. 
This comes care of slice of sci-fi. It's a big day for superheroes returning to television. Earlier, just this last news story, we brought you news that ABC is developing a new live-action version of The Hawk for the fall of 2012. Now it looks like the Green Goliath could face competition from the Dark Knight. Warner Brothers is reportedly pursuing a new weekly television version of Batman, based on the success of reinventing Superman via Smallville and Sherlock Holmes on the recent BBC production. Warner Brothers wants to bring Batman back to our screens. According to the reports, Dark Knight would come back to TV following the mold of the Christopher Nolan films. The show wouldn't be set in the same universe as Nolan, and that means we could see the Joker back. Warner reportedly wants the clown prince of crime back as part of the show. With a reboot reboot series, the show could give us a new Joker who wouldn't be the same one played by the late Heath Ledger on the silver screen. Warner reported... Reportedly, as a high-ranking showrunner developing this project, while we don't have a name yet, the talent is linked to shows like The West Wing, Friends, Two and a Half Men. Also, studio execs have reportedly targeted Carl Urban, best known for his role as Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Reboot, for the lead role as Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman. Of course, all of this is just rumor right now. All or none of it could change as details and official word gets out. But do you think it sounds interesting? And would you like to see a weekly Batman show back in our screens? And my answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Carl Urban as Batman? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. Def, I would definitely check this out. Um, I, th- I think it's a very ambitious project. Um, I would think it'd be, you know, cost-wise, but maybe they could pull it off. Yeah, hey, hey, I don't know, but uh, you know, this is this is pretty sweet. This is pretty sweet. I'm excited about it. And as long as as long as Carl Urban were to speak like this, you know, <laughs> with the whole like gargling <laughs> knives that he does, you know, Batman doesn't need to do that, but. Well, let me go on to one other piece of news here. Um, uh, well, we have actually a lot more news. But the Cape trailer, did you get a chance to watch this, Miles? I have not. I'll have to watch it later. It is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to embed this into the show notes. But basically, we have this. NBC just announced a premiere date. We have a premiere, a premiere date, Miles, and released a full-length trailer for the Cape. It's about a three-minute-long trailer, Miles. And it is a series of a, about a framed cop who dresses like his son's favorite comic book superhero to fight crime. And unlike other recent superhero shows, this one has that extra special sci-fi essential ingredient we love to see. Summer Glau. Check out the trailer in the show notes and let us know what you think. The Kate will premiere with a two-hour episode on Sunday, January 9th. It freaking rocks. I'm so serious. I'm so stoked about the show. But Was there some Summer Glau in that um There was some Summer Glau in that trailer. Okay. But this superhero uh, looks wicked awesome. Wicked awesome. I, I'm really, I really like it. Well, give us this. Uh, we have two short blips of TV news, and then we'll move into our movie news. Okay. Um, just uh, some um, Battlestar Galactica blood and chrome information. Uh, Nico Cortez, um, who played the young, the younger, uh, Ballast- the younger um, uh, William Adama in the um, online uh, BSG series, has won the endorsement of Edward James Olivos uh, for the new series that they're uh, working on, according to uh, Crave Online. And, uh, I did see this when it came out. The, the, these little um, shorts were kind of uh, they're pushing the uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica Razor movie that was out a couple of years ago, and uh, th- these were pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I would be. Oh, Nico, I thought Nico Cortez did a pretty good job. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be for it if he gets the role. 
Yeah, it'd be nice. And then Humid Target, of course, is back tomorrow night. So if you're watching it, let us know. Let us know what you think of the premiere of Human Target. i got to set my DVR. I don't think I've done that yet. Well, let's move into some movie news. We have some uh, news regarding uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. We have a, a teaser poster, and we have a release date. In Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, that will be uh, released on May 20th. Captain Jack Sparrow meets a woman from his past, and he is not sure if he, it is love or if she is just using him for finding the Fountain of Youth. She forces him aboard the ship with a horrible pirate, Blackbeard, uh, named uh, Queen Anne's Revenge. And on this trip, Jack faces an unexpected adventure, which he doesn't know who to fear more, Blackbeard or this woman. Below you'll find the first teaser poster uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean or Stranger Tides, and it'll be open in 2D, 3D, and IMAX 3D theaters on May 20th. The movie is directed by Rob Marshall and stars Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Penelope Cruz, Ian McShane, uh, Kevin McNally, um, and a host of others. And uh, so a very cool poster they, they have out so far. Yeah, I see Judy Dench, isn't it? And so is, mm-hmm. so is Keith Richards. Mm-hmm. So very great. Cool. See, I know why you skipped that list of other names that's included. There. You just want to pronounce them all. You're like, the heck is uh, this? I don't want to stumble over the names, and make a fool of myself. I don't want people to hate me for mispronouncing their names. Yeah. <laughs> we have a new Wolverine movie by Aronofsky. Uh, film director Darren Aronofsky revealed the title of his new movie, The Wolverine. The movie will star Hugh Jackman and will not be a sequel to the Gavin Hood-directed X-Men Origins Wolverine, but rather a standalone project. The film will be devoted to Wolverine alone, and the script will be written by Christopher McQuarrie, who had worked on the script of the initial X-Men of 2000. In the movie, Logan begins a romance with a Japanese woman named Mariko Yashida, who's supposed to marry another man and eventually has to fight with the woman's father and her brothers. There's no release date for this movie yet. Um, this isn't really a reboot per se, but it, this takes, this follows a, um, the comic series Wolverine in Japan, I believe. Is that correct? I didn't find any information confirming that, but, um, it, it's possible. Yeah. Anyways, interesting. I'm glad we're getting another Wolverine movie. I love the old, the other one that came out. Oh, the last one rocked. That was just awesome. I know people faulted it, but it was a great, entertaining movie. I should go back and rewatch that. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I won't, I won't mind seeing it again either. Harrison Ford, according to him, says Han Solo should have died in Return of the Jedi. And um, it doesn't matter what movie Harrison Ford is promoting. The interviewers always bring the conversation around to Star Wars, hitting him with questions that he answers reluctantly. And we don't usually have anything new anyway, but in a recent interview, Ford revealed that if he had his way, the character that made him famous would have been killed. Speaking with ABC News about his new role, uh, Morning Glory, Ford was asked why there was never new, no new Star Wars films featuring Han Solo, and he explained that not only was there no reason for the character to return, but also... And this is what he, he says. As a character, he was not in, not so interesting to me. I thought he should have died in the last one just to give it some bottom. Uh, George didn't think there uh, was any future in dead hand toys. So <laughs> Probably not. Um, I, I, I see. I, I take a different view than – I mean I think his, the Han Solo character is probably one of the more interesting characters in, in the Star Wars uh, uh, genre. I mean there's – there's chance for this character to grow and develop and um, um, have have kind of like a redemption story, if you will. So uh, I don't know why he's so pessimistic about uh, the character. 
Well, let me tell you what. Um, it, it has certainly spawned the series that followed. Uh, the, the expanded universe series would not be the same without Han Solo there because he just well, is such a memorable character in the expanded universe. Right. So you, if you'd have killed him in the show, you wouldn't. You couldn't have really had him in the expanded universe. Well, the authors wouldn't be able to write books about you know. No, they would, and they killed Chewie, and that was such an outcry. But. Yeah, that's why I stopped reading them. No, <laughs> oh, but whatever. I enjoyed. I, I thought it was good, and I'm really glad he's still alive. So sucks to you, Harrison Ford. Yeah, um, you go suck it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, we saw some first footage of the Green Lantern. What's your take? And we're going to embed this promo in our show notes. This TV promo for the TV for uh, this this TV promo makes the upcoming Green Lantern movie look like some kind of goofy romantic comedy with some cheesy special effects thrown in. But bear in mind, the short clip was made to promote Tuesday's episode of Entertainment Tonight, which will show off even more of the movie. It's early footage and will undoubtedly get polished prior to the movie's 2011 release. The June 2011 relief. There's still time for them to kill Ryan Reynolds. Ridiculous. I know, right? Lying when he shows off his CGI superhero suit, but it's a long way from the dark tone of the Dark Knight and the most successful DC Comics movie ever. It's also not what might, what you, it's also not what you might expect from a production, from production badass digest calls the biggest, most epic, most sweeping, most cosmic superhero film yet. Still, the lightweight first look isn't too surprising since director Martin Campbell is on the record saying the movie will be closer to Iron Man than Batman Begins. The tone is light, Campbell told MTV News, and has a lot of humor, but I think the relationships between all the characters are very real. We try to keep the action very real. At least, Kilowog looks undeniably cool. What do you think of this first clip at the Green Lantern? And we want to know what you think. Did you get a chance to watch the smiles? Uh, I saw the first clip. Um, was it so good? It, it looks interesting. I, I thought it was good, yeah. Uh, so hey, I'm looking forward to this movie coming out. Hey, they bring out a Green Lantern movie. I'm going to go see it. Oh, of course. Yeah. We, we've been waiting for this for years. Yeah. Well, in our last piece of movie news before we head into our uh, Star Trek, this week in Star Trek, is there was a list that came out with the top ten sci-fi movies we should learn about how to live with less. And they're called the top ten green sci-fi movies. And we aren't going to read all ten because of time. But, Miles, why don't you share the one that you thought in this top ten was actually pretty cool? Uh, there's a lot of good ones here, but uh, I, I, the one I chose uh, was Tank Girl. Um played by Lori Petty. And um, what is the world running out of? Water. Uh, solution, defeat the super corporation, water and power. As Malcolm McDowell's tycoon despot, uh, Kesley puts it, he who, who controls the water has all the power. And in a world that hasn't seen a drop of rain in 11 years, water and power keeps the precious liquid under lock and key. Sounds like a revolution is very necessary. And lipstick, uh, rapscallion tank girl, played by Lori Petty and her band of, uh, uh, of outcasts are only happy to provide it. Yeah, very cool. And the movie, the one that I picked off this list was Children of Men. What is the world running out of? Humans. Solution, find somebody with functioning ovaries. The world where everybody is infertile, no one's having any babies, the world is devoid of hope. Until a man with nothing left to live for encounters a pregnant woman who needs his help, he must escort her through Britain, falling apart at the seams to a floating salvation. Uh, so, uh, but there are a lot of good movies here. Star Trek's in here, mm-hmm. Red Planet's on here, Sunshine, Logan's Run, Sol Solent Green, Sol- uh, mm-hmm. Tank Girl, you said Waterworld's on it, of course, Spaceballs, uh, Road Warrior. Uh, so there's a lot of good movies on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Miles, why don't you go ahead and take us into your twist? All right. Um, this week, we're looking at um, the first look of uh, the Starfleet Academy uh, book series. It takes place in the uh, the new Star Trek universe from the movie we saw last year. And um, the, the new Starfleet Academy book series goes off to a flying start earlier this month with uh, the Delta Anomaly. And now StarTrek.com has a sneak peek of the book of book two, The Edge, by uh, Rudy Joseph. And uh, you can check out the, the, the uh, cover, exclusive cover image. And here's some scoop about the story straight from S- Simon's Spotlight. In The Edge, Kirk finds how much of a toll the intense training classes and grueling schedule of academy life is taking out on all the cadets, including himself. But some recruits seem better equipped to handle the challenges. Is there something that is giving them an edge? Kirk is determined to find out, especially since one of the cadets with a little something extra is his new girlfriend. Starfleet Academy, The Edge, will be available on December 28th. Uh, as with the Delta Anomaly, it will be released simultaneously in hardcover, paperback, and ebook editions. You can find out more about all the Star Trek books from uh, uh, Simon Suster. Hey, sounds like one for your Kindle, Miles. Uh, yeah, I'm really. I think these are more geared towards uh, kids, but I'll, I'll at least check out the first one because it, it takes place in the new universe. That's right. I did, want to see more. Dayton did say something about those being more kids' books. I think. Yeah. All right, well, before we get into our interview tonight with Kevin Sorbo, uh, we want to bring you our last promo of the night, and it's a promo for the Gamma Quadrant. Miles, do you want to talk about the show a little bit? Yes. Uh, uh, the Gamma Quadrant is a podcast where uh, Seth Barker of Valerie Loveland and Ryan Reinert um, team up, and uh, they're going through the series episode by episode, uh, just giving their review of it. Um, and uh, something I, I catch every week, I was a big uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine fan, and they, they've they've done all, so far the first three seasons, and now they're starting season four. And season four is the first uh, season with uh, Worf uh, on the show. So um, this is when the show really gets good. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a good little podcast. They talk about um, um, the acting, uh, special effects, costumes, uh, maybe certain um, uh, I mean, certain things they like, certain things they don't like. But if you're a fan of Star Trek D Space Nine, this is a good little commentary to go along with it. Very good. Well, here's a promo for the Gamma Quadrant. Ever feel like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection, Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We have we have an excellent interview for you tonight, and it's with none other than Hercules himself, Kevin Sorbo. Miles, we had a wonderful time sitting down with this guy. We did, and uh, Kevin Sorbo proved to be um, 
one of the guests that was very popular with the ladies uh, that weekend. Um, yes, and Miles, now is an appropriate time as ever to tell the story. Well, uh, this this year, my wife and my mother-in-law came to the convention this year, and um, um, I, I got a little clarification after I heard the story. But um, uh, so my mother-in-law is posing a picture with him, and he says, "Oh, you're grabbing my butt," and. She wasn't grabbing his butt at the time, but since he said something, then she put her hand on his butt after he said something. So, uh, uh, so yeah, she she um, got a little bit more of Kevin Sorbo than maybe some people did at the convention. <laughs> Not very many people can say, "Hey, I grabbed Kevin Sorbo's butt," but she can. That's she she could say that. And um, no, he, he he was he was a very fan friendly guest there at the convention. So if you're at a sci fi convention and he's a guest, I encourage you to uh, um, you know go up and meet him. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, but don't grab his butt. Miles, no, I Miles, not for you, not for you, right? <laughs> but you know, he was recently in Hawaii Five O, so he's making his appearances. That's right. He's still, um, you know, he he has some. He, in our interview, he talks about some of his new projects coming up, and um, you know, we talk about his time on Hercules and his time on um, uh, on Andromeda. Maybe you know, answer some questions you may not have known why Andromeda um, went off the air. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, without further ado, here's our interview with Kevin Sorbo. Blessed be the earth, the wind, and the sea for the gift of salvation. Blessed be. Welcome to Era. Who are you? Friends. Friends. Take my word for it, you don't want to be my friend. Please. Come with us. Rest. You'll need your strength. My strength is useless. Not to us. You see... We've been expecting you. You are the chosen one. Ladies and gentlemen, we're delighted to bring you somebody who's appeared on such shows as uh, Murray She Wrote, The Commish, Dharma and Greg, Just Shoot Me, Hope and Faith, Two and a Half Men, just to name a few, and the star of two huge sci-fi fantasy, fantasy shows, Hercules and the Gene Roddenberry-based Andromeda. Yes, for what we for we have with us uh, Hercules, Captain Dylan Hunt himself, Mr. Kevin Sorbo. Mr. Sorbo, welcome and thank you for uh, taking some time and uh, talking with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. My pleasure. You find like, I got in a room that's nice and cool, so it's kind of neat to be here. Right. Getting, getting in that autograph room is getting pretty stuffy. It is. It's pretty warm. Oh, man. There. There's a lot of bodies floating around. So. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's hot around here this time of the yeah, year. Yeah. This is good. This is good in here. Yeah. Yeah, you started in, in, in two uh, sci-fi shows. Would you consider yourself a, a sci-fi fan? Oh, no question. Yeah, I, mean, I, I started. I was a big fan of uh, growing up as a kid. I mean, it was mostly reruns. Of course, I was too young to see the original ones. But um, it's Outer Limits, mm-hmm. Twilight Zone, uh, and then of course reruns of, of Star Trek. I was a huge Star Trek fan. Great. Um, at the risk of this being too broad a question, what did you like about playing Hercules? Um, on camera, I liked I liked 
I liked the humor. I liked his personality. I liked I liked his his non arrogant humbleness. You know, he was just he was he was a, it was a fun character to play. I mean, off camera, I just really enjoyed being on the set. We had a wonderful time. I worked with a great cast, great crew, and it was just uh, it was an easy set to hang out and do stuff on. Just sort of just have a good time. Now, you feel that in New Zealand. Seven years in New Zealand, yeah. Man, you can't complain about my that. Life. No, it was fantastic. <laughs> it really was. You know, originally it was supposed to be four two-hour movies. By the second movie, I knew they were going to make it a series. And before the second movie was done, they added a fifth movie because Universal Studios loved what they saw. And by the third movie, they came to me and said, this, we're going to make this a series. Excellent. And, I, and I knew it. I knew it. Because Michael and I, uh, Michael Hurst, who played Eolus, we hit our... our our tempo together as as actors, um, we realized that we were Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and that's where that was our time frame was. You, know? you guys had great so chemistry. It was just fun. It was just it was yeah. It was, it was too many laughs on the set. It was <laughs> worthwhile, definitely. Now, from my observation, comparing and contrasting Hercules and Andromeda, Hercules was a fun fantasy adventure show. Now, Andromeda still had those elements, but it also had a more serious side to that. Would you agree with that? Yes, and actually the first two seasons were much darker than the last three seasons. That was in part because of Robert Hewitt Wolf, who was the showrunner, okay. who uh, used to be writer on, uh, on Deep Space Nine, I think it was. Think was that the one? I think you're right. Um, good writer. I, I like the stuff he did. Tribune actually fired him after two years, and I found later that they did that with all their showrunners. They oh. did it on Mutant X, they did it on Earth Final Conflict, they did it on uh, Beastmaster. I, I think it's just something they did as a studio for some reason. Um, I, I kind of... I, I like Bob Engels when I brought him on, but I, I liked Bob was a little bit of a, out of his element for that genre, and, and Robert knows it well. So I kind of wish I would have stuck with him because I, I liked I liked the character. I liked the fact that Dylan could die. Mm-hmm. There was there was a humanity about him. You didn't have that in Hercules, so you had to make it a comedy, tongue in cheek type of thing because you know he's going to win. Basically, he's going to win every fight. And it's how we have him win every fight that right. made it interesting for people. And the comedy element was something that was played up on a lot. So. Um, I, I, don't, I, I like I like both characters, but I like the humanity after seven years of Herc. I like the humanity of Dylan. Mm-hmm. What inspiration did you draw from when you created the character of, uh, of uh, Captain Hunt? You know, because he certainly. I mean, there's a heroic element to him, like all you know, from Captain Kirk before him or Captain Picard or something, but. It really it came from the writing itself. It came from the script. I can't really say I drew. I mean, I think we're all affected by something. So I'm sure there are bits and pieces of things I saw through my life, from old movies to 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 modern television, or whatever. But I just I, I think it was really sort of the way. If I read a script out loud, it makes a big difference in reading it ahead. I think I would do that for anybody. That's why writers. I always tell writers out there uh, if they want to improve their scripts, find a bunch of actors to have a, a reading. Okay. Read the thing out loud. Get it on its feet with other people's voices because you're going to hear where your problems are in the, in the set. You're going to look at the script and go, you know what, I, that beat is horrible. i got to get rid of it. There's a hole here now, and I didn't know it before. I mean, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, a lot of sci-fi deals with social commentary. Is there one episode in particular that you're proud of that made an important statement? Hmm. We're on Hercules, though? Oh, we're with, with, uh, with Andromeda. No, it's interesting because they, they did they went after you know they discussed racism they had gangs they had the, there was a lot of lot of things they they talked about I honestly I can't think of one episode the name of an episode right yeah. off right off hand but um, I know that the writers are very conscious in, in of, of coming up with 
and Gene Rodberry was a, was the king at this, where it didn't matter if it's thousands of years in the future, he still took issues that were relevant to today's society. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the guy was amazing. You think about what he did in the '60s—he put a black and a Russian and a, you know all these right. Asian, all these different people on the set mm -hmm. together, and first have the first black and white kiss on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was it was interesting. Mm -hmm. It was it, it was interesting. And, and I, I think you know, certainly in today's world, we're much more open about things like that. So they they address everything. But um, I know I segued. I can't think of the names of these things right off right off hand. But I know I know there are episodes we dealt with racism mm -hmm. that that, that we, you know was right there in our face. And uh, you know, I think I think it's good. To, I think TV can can put out a good message. Put out they can put a negative message too. <laughs> right, right. They're very good at that. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I like to see more of the positive message out there. And I think I think Andromeda was pretty good at portraying that. I like that the one character who's a sworn enemy. I guess he was, he was a, the character his aliens was Magog. The Magog. Yeah, but he was Reb Ben. But he was, you know, he yeah. was the spiritual, um, yeah, presence of the show. Sure. And uh, you know, he's the sworn enemy. Well, his, his race was the sworn enemy, but but the same. But he was this benevolent. He found a different road. Yeah. To go down, which was interesting. And he had a contrast. I don't. In know. a very horrific-looking creature. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard um, to look at every day. Brent State did a great job with that. Unfortunately, he, he got tired of putting the, the outfit on. It took like four hours every morning to do this, and it was brutal with all the prosthetics. Oh, yeah. And after two seasons, he was just—he said, "I can't do it anymore." And I—I I could understand that. Oh, absolutely. Know? It's too bad. It was a good character we lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in contrast, I, I don't remember the, the actor's name. Um, the one with the dreads. He basically. Tier Anasazi. That's it. Yes. Uh, the Nietzscheans. From the Nietzscheans, yes. I mean, uh, I, you know, it was almost quasi-Nazi. I mean, as far oh, there's as no you, question. You know, no <laughs> question. It was the, he was from the superior race. He mm -hmm. looked at everybody. Every other race was inferior to him. Mm -hmm. They were that they should be dis, dis, um, exterminated because they were just a waste of space in the universe. But mm -hmm. it, it created a great conflict. It was great conflict. Mm -hmm. He let you know, but Tyr, um, Keith Hamilton, Copper played Tyr. He uh, he wanted out. He wanted to do something different with his career. Mm -hmm. He, you know, I think he kind of realized after you know half a year of being away that he made a mistake. Hmm. You know, he walked away from a, a nice paycheck and a nice job and <laughs> two more years on his contract. But yeah. he wanted out and they let him go, mm -hmm. which is too bad. You know, I thought he was a, he was a good for Dylan. He was a good contrast, you know. Yeah, I, I liked. I mean, I like I like the conflict in, in, in yeah. the situations he, he brought to yeah. the show. Um, do you, did you so was it a bonding experience with your castmates? Uh, we're still on Andromeda. Yeah, still on Andromeda. Yes. Okay. Both shows were. That's when you bring it up. Um, <laughs> yes. No, I still keep in touch with uh, no one. Matt, I, I still keep in touch with uh, with Gordon Wilbur who played Harper uh -huh. and Laura Bertram played Trans Gemini. Mm -hmm. uh, we still talk frequently. They're they're good friends. And actually, Gordon and I are trying to raise money right now for a movie, a script that he wrote, oh. a dark comedy. It's very very good. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, we we you know we keep in touch. I don't I don't Lisa Ryder and some of the others. I just have you know just it's life. It's hard you can't keep up you know keep yeah, up right, with everybody, right. especially when um, you've been in the number. Well, of our shows. personalities mesh really well with with Laura and with um, and Gordon. We just became friends, and Gordon's kids are my kids' age, and it just sort of became a natural mm -hmm. progression for both of us. Um, um, now, my wife was at uh, the session you, you you spoke at today, and I, I didn't know this, uh, but. What happens? Why they pulled the plug on Andromeda? It was just a. There was an embezzlement within the company. Okay. Tribune owns it out of Chicago. Tribune owns the Cubs. They own the LA. Tribune, I mean, the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune. So that's why the Cubs are so own, mad. That's <laughs> why the Cubs. That's what I said. You know what? They never threw money at the show. I mean, you know, it, it, as popular as like take Stargate is, 
Stark had a 10-year run. We had a five-year run. Stark never beat us in the ratings in America. Mm-hmm. They did great overseas, but they never, ever beat us in the ratings in the States. And Tribune never put money into the show. They never promoted it. They never advertised it. They never pushed us to do talk shows. It's amazing to me. And trust me, I was pushing for it. Yeah. It was frustrating. It was frustrating. Right. And uh, it's like they were happy just to ride the, you know, the gravy train they had going without putting any more money into it. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. Yeah. Um, now you you have a charity that you uh, mm. you're very active in. Um, for for our listeners' sake, can you tell us? You know, what well, it's called World Fit for Kids, mm-hmm. and um, they can go online, uh, worldfitforkids.org, and they can find all the information they want. We're going nationwide with it now. It's uh, we got an award a couple years ago from Schwarzenegger, the Governor Schwarzenegger, <laughs> from the best after school program in the state of California, and that cause all kinds of letters coming from after school programs across America saying what do you guys do what makes this so successful because we, we it's a very successful program we have a 98% graduation rate we work with over 12,000 kids in LA County alone and the kids aren't, that aren't in our program there's a 54% dropout rate so the differential is huge between the two and um, we kicked off with a golf tournament two years ago mm-hmm. we just had our second one recently and uh, you know it's a good program it fights childhood obesity it's in we work with their grades, with their with their studies. We work with uh, uh, diet habits. We work with you know things that they want. If somebody wants to say, look, if they want to do dance, want to do basketball, we help them with that. It's a mentoring foundation on two levels where we train inner city teens to become mentors to younger children, and in fact, saving two lives at the same time. It's a good program, and we keep very busy with it. And I'm very active with it. I get downtown in some of the horrific neighborhoods where our schools are at, you know, and see what these kids have to put up with, and it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, mm. shame on our government. I mean, seriously. I mean, they, they, every president says they're going to improve public education. They don't. Public education is pathetic, you know, but that's not a soapbox. I don't want to get on right now. <laughs> right. I follow you on Twitter, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you get some of it, right? Yeah. Right. Which, which I find myself agreeing with you, so. Oh, thank so, you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm in public education, so for whatever that's worth. So my father taught for 35 years. Oh, really? What did he teach? Uh, junior high, oh, math okay. and biology. Yeah. I'm an English teacher. So, you guys, the, I'm, I'm going to be upfront right now. You, the, the, the pay, the pay schedule needs to change. And I think teachers should be paid more. But you can't pay a teacher who sucks for 10 years the same as a teacher who's great for 10 years. And after 10 years, that's why my brother, who was a very good teacher, my other brother got out. He says, I, he says, I got teachers in there lazy, don't do their jobs, they don't work with these kids, and they're getting the same as me. He says, this is bull. Yeah. And he right, got up. Right, right, right. It's, they're, they're, how many jobs do we have in this country that have that? Uh, too many. Yeah. But, not, but, but, but we have a lot that don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like saying Tiger Woods, a really good golfer, wins the Masters. Well, it's unfair that the other golfers don't win the Masters. So everybody wins the Masters, gets a green jacket and a million dollars. That's true. There's no motivation to get better. Phil Mickelson, every golfer said... Tiger Woods made me a better golfer. They have him on the Golf Channel saying this. They say he made me better. Competition is important. I agree. 100%. It's important, and you can't have well, that look in public education. Acting, acting too, you know. Seriously, there's no question. I want to. I, I want George Clooney's ten million a movie too. I'm not <laughs> getting it. It's really unfair, you know. But 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 even in acting though, acting is different. Acting. There's there there are really successful actors, good actors that aren't successful. They're really crappy actors that because they look good or whatever they got going, they stay and make a lot of money. It's weird. Right. It's, so it's not the same thing. It, you know, if you work for IBM and you're busting your hump and you sell $300 million worth of IBM, 
You should get paid a lot of money. If some guy says he just had womanizing every night, works for IBM, why should he get paid the same as the guy who worked his ass off? See, that's what I'm saying. It's all about competition and motivation. Right. And that's what we try to instill in our kids in our after-school program yeah. is, you know what? We're not all the same. You know, Michael Jordan's a better basketball player. I mean, I can't help that. I wish I was good, too. But he's better. You know, I can't create thousands, tens of thousands of jobs like Bill Gates. The guy's freaking smart as hell. He deserves to make the money he deserves, makes. I don't have a problem. The capitalism system is still the best. And we're trying to turn this country into Russia, and it's not going to work out too well. It's, it's, yeah. it's not going to work out too well. well I think it's part of the issue with our education system is it's very socialist in a lot of ways. Get, it needs to change. Yeah. It needs to change. You cannot... It, it doesn't work. You know, I, my, my kids are six and eight years old. My two boys playing sports. Everybody gets a trophy. I said, looked at the soccer coach. I said, he was like two and eight this year. Why is he getting a trophy? Well, we don't want him to feel left out. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, I, when I was that age, my <laughs> baseball team was two and eight. It made me go in the backyard and practice harder. Right. It's just everybody gets an A. Everybody gets yeah. a smiley face for trying hard. Then they're going to get out of college in the real world. They're going, where's my BMW? Well, you got to work for it. What? Yeah, Can't I just get a BMW? <laughs> I mean, sense of entitlement that we've created. And it's going on. It is going on. And, and California leads the way. Trust me. California, is the, they're the ones that came out 20 years ago about getting everybody a smiley face for trying hard in school. <laughs> well, you know what? Not everybody's smart. Uh-huh. You find I'm, out not, I'm smart, but I'm not as smart as a lot of people. Sure. You, know? you find out what you're good at and you just you, you help them excel. I tell kids to follow your dream. I so said, what do you want to be? I want to be an actor. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's tough, but go for it. Right. I want to be a doctor. Okay, then study hard. Yeah. You know, it's what I appreciate about my climb to having success in this business is I appreciate the climb to get there. I appreciate all the rejection I had. The rejection it didn't discourage me. Every successful person I know, every CEO, I played a lot of golf because of celebrity. Being a celebrity, I played a lot of golf. Every successful person I've ever met says I'm successful through my failure. They didn't let failure get them down. They use it as, a, as, as fuel for the fire and a stepping stone to get better for the next goal. Mm-hmm. You should be a motivational speaker, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I, should be, I should be bloody president. Trust me. I wouldn't be politically correct. I'll tell you. <laughs> Things need to change. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. You know? It's like, God. Pre- preach it, brother. Uh, Things need to change. Yeah. It's, and it, it, but like, I, I think it's not going it, to... If it's going to start, it's going to start with us, not... Yeah. You know, it is. You know, at a grassroots level. Yeah, yeah, and it has to do with the way parents are parenting their kids. No it's question. This whole entitlement. No thing. question. You know, it's not. You I've education. always said it starts at home. Oh, absolutely. It well, I, look at at home. I look as a teacher. Look at all the power they've taken away from you guys in the last twenty years. When I was in school thirty years ago, I got a swat because I deserved a swat. Teachers right. can't touch kids today. Oh, I know. They teach and they come in and treat you guys like crap. Go by first name and they do. I mean, to me, it's like teachers need to have more power. I mean, yeah. well, teachers are even afraid to go into school. They can't. Yeah. They yeah. can't anymore. Yeah, that metal detector. Yeah. Thank you, lawyers. Thank you. Yeah. A <laughs> yeah. lovely law system. There. <laughs> that was good. Uh, anyway, we got off the whole thing. Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, that's right. Well, tell us, uh, what's, what are some of your uh, future projects coming down the pipe for you as an actor? i got quite a few, actually. Well, future projects coming down the pipe are one thing, but I've got seven movies coming out. Okay, well, tell us about that one. Um, the first one is called What If with uh, uh, John Ratzenberger and Chrissy Swanson. So okay. reverse It's a Wonderful Life. It'll open in August in theaters. Another one called Julia X. Um, they don't want me to talk too much about it, but it's a psychological thriller. That's mm-hmm. yeah, in 3D. It'll be uh, it'll be an interesting movie. 3D. What do you think of the whole 3D movie? It's huge, and it's not going to stop. <laughs> I, I went. I was in Vegas for the electronics show in January because I go in every year for Canon hosts a golf tournament. 
sponsored with John Walsh for America's Missing Children. Mm-hmm. And I went on the, in the convention center and I saw the 3D television sets. They're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They're better than the theaters. And no glasses. <coughs> you were sitting right here and the, the picture's right out. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They put, basically put the glasses in the screen. And uh, every theater now is rushing to get more and more 3D. Right. It just is. And I just saw Toy Story 3. It was phenomenal. And it's not going to stop. Right. It's not going to stop. I mean, they'll make it 2D as well, but, you know, 3D is the way to go. Right. Uh, so after that, then, then I got that movie coming out. That's called Julia X. And I got another movie called Paradox coming out. Don't know if it's going to go theatrical or straight to DVD or go to Sci-Fi Channel. Um, deals with uh, a science world, which we live in, and a magic world, magic earth. They're, they're parallel earths that you have your parallel. This is science. We all have our exact people... In, in magic world, right. and a portal is open to get to that world and to throw things off. It's an interesting. I like anything to do with alternate universe. It's an interesting concept, and then and then we have um, another movie called uh, Flesh Wounds. Mm-hmm. Should be on Sci Fi Channel. Uh, one I just finished called The Coffin, um, dealing with uh, being buried alive. Uh, another one I'm filming now called Give Me One Reason, uh, where I play the keeper of the Pandora's box. And it gets stolen from me, and bad things happen. And I start another one called Pool Boy in a couple of weeks, which is a full-on comedy in the vein of any Zucker film you've ever seen, from Naked Gun to cool. yeah, it's very very funny. And I got another movie called Hoobie. Our title will probably change, which is a uh, sort of a faith-based uh, triumph over tragedy type story, um, sort of in the vein of Rudy. Deals with a true story based on this junior high kid. Uh, basketball star they find a tumor in his brain that's the size of his brain hmm. and uh, it's take it out he's going to die believe it and it's going to die it's a very it's a it's a pretty amazing story and I have another one called Rainbow Harbor um, which I'm going to shoot we don't know yet we're supposed to be shooting now but things change up. but I think it's going to be a romantic comedy it, it is romantic comedy I think we got Jennifer Garner to star as my my love interest in it and uh just busy, man. I just got no. all kinds of stuff coming out of the pipe. You know, I got a big one coming out called Soul Surfer that I shot with Randy Quaid, uh, Dennis Quaid. Randy, I just play golf with Dennis Quaid, um, Anna Sophia Robb from Bridge to Terabithia and uh, Race to Witch Mountain, and uh, Helen Hunt and Carrie Underwood during her first feature film, and that's now going to air. And they got three thousand screens coming out in in the springtime through Sony Studios. It's a big, big movie we shot for two months in Hawaii, uh, January, February of this year. The crime. You know, it's tough duty. It's <laughs> tough duty. I go, two months in Hawaii, really? Oh, man. Man, I don't know if I can do that. Honey, take the kids out of school. They <laughs> all came, they came for two months. Oh, nice. I was going to ask if you took the family. homeschooled, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm busy. Just been busy. You are. Now, you typically take your kids with you when you shoot? Uh, depends well, it depends where you are. I took them to Louisiana for Julia X, uh, the 3D psychological thriller, but then I was in Malta shooting a movie called uh, The Hit Mafia Movie. It's another one I forgot to mention. I don't know when that's coming out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's co-finance with uh, Leader Film out of Rome and Dolphin Entertainment out of Miami, so I don't know what they're going to do with it yet. Mm-hmm. It turned out better than I thought. They thought it'd be straight to DVD, but they're, they, I just got a call last month and I'm going, it looks pretty good. We're thinking maybe we'll try to get theatrical out of it. We'll see. It, it deals, I play, a, I play a mob guy that's a hitman that for 12 years now has been the witness relocation program. The movie opens me. I'd be living in Malta now on the witness program and I get a phone call to be in the movie. My lawyer says, they found out where you are and they're coming to kill you. <laughs> so that's when then the movie just picks up pace from there on. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. it was kind of cool. We shot that in Malta, and I shot another movie called King of Mykonos, uh, 
Um, and that's where he aired in Australia. It was an Australian comedy. It was shot in Greece. It aired number one in Australia, New Zealand, and Paramount owns the rights to it here. So I'm hoping they release it theatrically. It was a very, very funny comedy mm-hmm. about two guys moving to uh, Mykonos. They want to come to Mykonos to meet the king of Mykonos, me. And I'm known as the king because I've slept with more women than anybody else. <laughs> and they want to meet me and beat my one-month record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so it's an interesting film. I play an Italian playboy. Wow. It was quite fun. Can you speak Italian? Un po' italiano, sì. I live in Milano, I live in Milano per otto mesi, 24 anni fa. So I speak a little bit. A little bit. I was going to ask you, I mean, um, with all this work, you probably don't get to the conventions as often. Not as, I mean, I get invited to a lot of them, and it's, it's just, uh, I kind of, I don't really pick and choose. I mean, I want to come to this one for a while, but it's just, uh, it really kind of depends on the work schedule. There's a few more they want me to go to, but it's just, it's, There's one in Chicago coming up that I think maybe I might be able to have a chance to go to, and there's one in, I think, New York has one. And, uh, yeah, it just depends, mm-hmm. you know. So what do you think of Short Leave? This was fun. It was. It was a really nice setting here. I got one more day tomorrow, but it's been uh, it's been nice. It's I, The size of it, I like the fact, a lot of what kills a lot of these for the actors that come in is when they bring in 50 actors. They didn't bring in 50 actors here. Right. Right. They bring in, each year they bring in a different group, and it's like, okay, let's bring in like these five or six or something like that, and I think that's just a better move to go. Yeah. Well, it gives you a lot of personal, and the size, I think, also gives you a lot of personal. Yeah. Well, you know, really, in the size, even a Comic-Con, I sit there and still talk to people. I mean, I, 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 I hate it, like... This group creation just sort of rushes and pushes people through, and they don't treat fans very well. So I've stopped working on creation. I don't care. <laughs> and uh, it's you know the fans are there. They want to see you. Can, can, you can give them a minute. Come on, you know they don't even give you yeah. a minute. I sat next. I mean, I've been there with actors signing like this. You know, not even looking up. Just boom, boom, like this. I've been looking like that before. Yeah. All <laughs> name names. Yeah. I know, you know who they are, and um, that's just sad to me. You know, right, right. it's just yeah. sad to me. You know, yeah. so give them, give them a hello. Look yeah. them in the eye. Give them yeah. something. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, the, the, I know the fans are on here. very appreciative the FaceTime they get with, with, yeah. with you and a lot of the other guests. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. So, well, we really appreciate you coming. My pleasure. Sure. My pleasure talking to you. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Kevin Sorbo, Hercules himself. Well, we got to get out of here, but before we do, Miles, we have our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Yes, we do. This is a good one, and this is one that we have not done before. It is the five top guest stars to have on your show. Did I say mm-hmm. death? Did I say death stars? I meant guest stars. I guess we get a stars to school too. Yeah, Death Stars. You get a five Death Stars on the show, man. That would be competition right there. <laughs> uh, our number one is Will Wheaton, who has appeared on many different shows, but most recently has been on The Big Bang Theory. So very cool. Did I take yours, Miles? Let's redo that. That's, Let's redo that's that. Fine. 
Let's redo it. Okay. Well, Miles, let's go, let's go into the sci-fi five and five. And this is something we have not done before. This is a top five guests to have, guest stars to have on a science fiction show. So why don't you go ahead and start us with number one? Number one is uh, Will Wheaton, who was recently seen in the Big Bang Theory. Uh, if any of you saw last week's episode, it was quite hilarious. Uh, uh, Will Wheaton's character and uh, Sheldon have a uh, intense rivalry feud going on, so that, that that provides some good laughs. Very good, very good. And then number two with Robert Nepper, who of course was on Smallville as a regular in the last season, and most recently as guest starred on SGU. And so that's right. pretty cool. And uh, although we haven't seen her yet, we do know she will be making an appearance on Reese Kingdom Falling. We will see Miss Allison Mack, uh, Chloe Sullivan herself from Smallville, uh, guest starring. Oh, and by the way, it premiered today, so it just dropped today. Oh, very good. So very out there. Uh, number four, Linda Hamilton, of course, to Terminator Chuck herself on Chuck as Chuck's mommy, guest starring. And uh, on last week's Smallville, Terry Hatcher, who is currently seen on um, Desperate Housewives, she played Lois Lane in the, the Adventures of Lois and Clark back in the 90s. Well, she makes an appearance as the um, – uh, best way to say it, um, uh, Lois Lane's deceased mother uh, in a videotape, um, I guess, um, communication uh, to her daughter. So, uh, But she made a guest appearance last week. Well, very cool. And that is our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, top five guest stars to have in your show. If you have your own Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that you want to contribute, you can always email them to us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. You can attach them as an audio file if you want, or you can just call in at 1-888-508-4343. So those are ways you can drop in that Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And Miles, I believe that kind of wraps up this show, doesn't it? It does. And so until uh, next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya.
And we hope you enjoyed listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, please visit SciFiDinerPodcast.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find the Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page, and uh, we have very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page, and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sci-fi diner. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also uh, on uh, Trek Space, uh, Son of Worf at Trek Space. And Lee, and we want to hear from you. So please email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at 1-888-508-4343 and let us know your thoughts on what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Kevin Sorbo. You may know me as Hercules. You may know me as Captain Dylan Hunt of Andromeda, but I don't care how you know me. You need to know that you are listening to the Sci-Fi Dinner Podcast. Can we record it with Diner? It's Diner! I blew it! I had a good one going! I wasn't even paying attention. I looked at it once. I went boom, boom, boom. You are the only one. Scratch, scratch, scratch. You are the only one. It is Diner. It is Diner. I thought it was your typo.